This is Carter Lowen. You're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and right next to me is Roy. Hey, congratulations to Big Poppy. Congratulations to Big Poppy. That's today's breaking news. In unrelated Padre minor league news. Uh, yeah, and that and, you know, and with the Barry Bonds and. Uh, and Roger and, Clemens, and Roger Clemens, and, and, Kurt, and Schilling, Kurt Schilling is—they're falling off the ballot. I guess the uh, the moral of the story there is unwritten rules by the Baseball Writers of America. Right? Don't be a dick. Well, yeah, that's. I saw somebody say if David Ortiz had the if Barry Bonds had the personality yeah. of David Ortiz, he would have been in by now, and that's yeah. probably true. Yeah. And all three of those guys are not known to be the nicest person. Right. Right, and not to mention some of the things about you know the the allegations around Roger Clemens and him and a younger girl right. back in the day, and um, then all the stuff that Kurt Schilling's done, being very vocal uh, politically and socially and stuff that's kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Right, and I, I and I for one thing, and I I think Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame despite him being a complete trash human being. Okay, that's fine. I believe from 1998. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Okay. Like once if he started, cut his career off what, right there, he already would have been a Hall of Famer. Right. W- once his head size started, you know, enlarging, uh-huh. I, you're, you're done. And yeah. I know the, the, the argument there is like, that's so immature. It's, you know, you got to grow up. You know, everyone was doing steroids. Major League Baseball didn't let, you know, didn't mind it because it was bringing in the gate. Uh-huh. Um, I just, you know, when you're that blatant and then you top it on being a jerk. Well, so where I can understand some people are draw the line is so Alex Rodriguez was popped a couple of times, suspended yeah. for a year. Yeah. Uh, Manny Ramirez was popped a couple of times. So like once MLB actually put into place the controls to yeah. try to enforce it, they continued to use it. Before that, it was a wild, wild west. Everybody do whatever you want. And right. who knows who was using and who wasn't. Some people were more obvious than others, but... Anyway, you know, and back to back to the day that they were talking to Mark McGuire in his in, in at his club or no, sorry, at his um, locker and a big old bottle of Androstein, <laughs> a big old bottle. Of, hey, what's that? Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, but it wasn't outlawed by MLB. It, it was not. It was not. But let's move on to some other baseball news before yeah. we get into the real good stuff. Well, the real good stuff that we're going to have in a little bit, we're going to talk to Padres pitcher Carter Lowen. Carter Lowen. So we have an interview coming up in a little bit. The pride of British Columbia. Yeah. Also, this is episode 150. Yeah. Hey, happy birthday. Dude, happy birthday to us. This is our, what is that, our sesquicentennial or something like that? <laughs> it's not a birthday. We're not 150 years old. We have 100, you know, 150 episodes is pretty good for us. Yeah, we've made it. We've made it this far. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. Um, we've only just begun. Is that going to be the, That oh, can be our music today. There it is. We've only just begun. <laughs> God, already devolving into just madness. Uh, so let's get on to what the really news is, is like there's no, there's a baseball lockout. And everyone right. knows that. It's not no news. Uh, Jeff Pass. They met again today for the second day in a row, which in the very beginning with a lockout on December 2nd to now was like, okay, it's just going to be, I understand the maneuvering. I understand the maneuvering of Major League Baseball, the owners going, okay, we're not going to give you a chance to strike. We're just going to lock you out. Right. But I don't understand why you wait over a month before having any discussions. Right. And that has to be, you know, I don't know why. And I don't really want to speculate on that. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, so you the news, I don't the news that on. came out 
right now. So it, it, some things are starting to be negotiated. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to me how far apart the sides are right now. Okay, so MLB agreed to accept the parameters of a pre-arbitration bonus pool for the top 30 war players that are pre-arbitration eligible. MLBPA wants that pool to be $105 million. The league offered $10 million. And that's a pretty large gulf, but it is movement. And somewhere in the middle there is is common ground where I'm sure they can do something about it. Right. I like the intent of that, that you're going to reward your most productive players. Yeah. So Fernando Tatis Jr., if he hadn't had the extension, he goes out and has an MVP caliber season, and he's still going to get paid the league minimum. This at least would give him the opportunity to get a little bit extra of, right. a, of a bonus of compensation. Right. And it also gives them something to, to really try for. Well, but it, if you're going to try to split $10 million 30 ways, right. I mean, come on. Right. And that's the thing is, is that it's only for the Super 2. Normally, it's early arbitration for the Super 2 guys. And usually those guys in early arbitration, they get a pretty big chunk. You know, sure. Not not tens of millions of dollars. I think maybe it's a big raise, though. Yeah, but a pretty big raise. This kind of lengthens that list of people that are available for that for that arbitration money. Right, and it's not just limited to um, service time. Right, it could be somebody's first year in the league, and they go off and they get paid. Right, which I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the other um, one of the other stickling points was Major League Baseball offered the minimum raise to six hundred and fifteen. Uh, six fifteen. And Major League Baseball Players Association, they wanted seven seventy five. Yeah, I saw somebody. I think it was Evan Drellich. Somebody used uh, inflation and just mathed it out from when they did the last CBA. Right. And they would have already been making like six hundred fifty thousand. So the raises that they agreed to before have already fallen behind. Um, so something's got to give there. Yeah, absolutely. So what Evan Drellich tweeted was. The raise the minimum salary for players from zero to one year of service time to six fifteen uh, six hundred fifty uh, six six hundred fifteen thousand. Thank you. I can speak English. Previously, she has been posed at six hundred thousand. A uh, number to change in years one to two to six fifty two to three to seven hundred thousand. Major League Baseball also also withdrew its proposal to eliminate salary arbitration for any group. So, so is that how it works now? Or I, I thought if they were pre arbitration, they're just getting everybody gets the minimum. I right, didn't think right. it was scaled by by how many years of service you had. Right. I think this got mixed in with the major league minimum. Okay. So I, I, I do like that, that somebody sticks for a year or two and they get a slight raise from year to year above yeah. the whatever you want to call it, cost of living yeah. raise. You know, and then there's got to be some kind of market where those guys that are kind of journeyman guys, you know, maybe five or six years in, in the league, you know, your your average player. Sure. Where you base your war on. Like those guys, when they come up for free agency, I, sometimes they get overpaid. Oh, for and sure. Teams get bitten by that. Uh huh. Um, having to having to you know sign a guy like that that you want on your team, but like just because he's been in the league five or six years and hitting you know two forty, he's making seven eight million dollars. Right. Just because of his tenure. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I agree with the redistribution of wealth, if you will, because there are so many great young players in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And unless they're signing an extension, they just have to ride it out. Right. That's that's kind of rough. I mean, now we're talking about people making a half million dollars, and here we are sitting here, and I don't know about you, but I'm nowhere close to that. No. Uh, but still, when you see the disparity of what they make and also what the owners are pulling in and their values, I heard that the, the Rockies owner was was complaining about how difficult it is to manage a budget and, and, and all the of The COVID this. protocols. <laughs> right. But at the same time, the valuation of, of the, the franchise that they own has been going up 
exponentially. Yeah. So yeah. they can take a loan against that equity and cover everything real easy, and then they can sell the sell the franchise for a massive profit, and they're going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't fall for this crying poverty stuff from it, the owners. And it still it doesn't fly after the beginning of the right before the lockout, when all those teams just shelled out billions of dollars. For sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So that's that. So, but just now moving on, the 2022 international signing period began last Saturday. Um, and the Padres had a pretty good pool. They had what, $6.2 million? Yeah. They to, were among the teams with the, the largest pool to work with. Mm-hmm. So, so their biggest signing was Jarlin Susana. Uh, he was the number, th- he was the best pitching prospect in the international market. We, they signed him for, uh, what was it? Was it 1.3? 1. 1.3 uh, 1. No, 1. for, for Rosman. God, didn't we just... For Yendry Rojas. Thank you. $1.7 million for Susana and 700000 for Rosman Verdugo. I'm a big Rosman Verdugo guy. Oh, yeah? Mexican League guy. Okay. I just... Maybe it's because they're right there and, you know, they play in the Mexican League. You you see them play against high-level competition. Right. At 16. Yeah, well... He's hitting bombs. You can actually see him play. Right. As compared to some of these other guys. Right. So uh, there was an interesting article. Yeah, I didn't put this in our notes. There was an interesting article in The Athletic about the the prospect of an international draft and how 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 much work has to be done between now and then and how all of the issues with putting such a thing in place. Yeah. And one of the issues is that these guys are, are handshake agreement to deals at 13, 14 years yep. old oftentimes. They can't sign for another two years. And so then they just go and they work at the camp. They don't play in games. They're not in showcases. Right. Nobody gets to see him. So y- the scouting reports that we see on guys like Andre Rojas and Yar- Harlan Susana are from a couple years ago. Yeah. And nobody's really gotten a good look at him. Right. And I think some of the pictures I've seen of Jarlin, he was in Padre like gear. Sure. Yeah. And the SD blue, blue and uh, blue and gold SD Padre shirt. Blue and gold, huh? That dates. Blue it. and gold. God, I, it's it's <laughs> God. God so my point is that okay, we have this name of all these players that the Padres have signed and the Padres even came out and tweeted about it but it's for unless you're one of the people that are down there act- actively scouting it yeah. it's really hard to make anything out of this right. so yeah MLB Pipeline puts together their list uh, Baseball America Ben Badler does an amazing yeah. job covering all of this but at the end of the day you're scouting people who nobody has seen for a couple of years nobody's going to see them for another year or two probably they're going to go play in the Dominican uh, League and then maybe they'll make their stateside debut at age 18, 19, right. when nobody's gotten a good look at him in right. four or five years. So it, it's hard to get excited about somebody. It's it's just a name. Right. And when you see a guy that's 16 years old, 17 years old, in, in Susana throwing 98, you're like, okay, his first season, he, he's really pitching with some kind of, you know, some innings and lots of pitches. It's going to have Tommy John. Well, I mean, a, that, that's the assumption. You know, and that's... that's Throwing that hard at that young, eventually that guy will have to go under the knife. Um, but I did. I, I read the whole article that about the international draft and and how shady. Just and we talked about this when we first began the podcast. How shady it is because some some scouts will go to to these um, Buscolet. What are they called? Buscoleras. Uh, Buscones. Buscones. Yeah. Buscones. And they go, hey, uh, sell this guy uh, to that guy over there that's actually in my scouting area, and we'll cut you in on some of the money. Right. When he signs. Right. So it is shady. Um, some of those players that don't actually, you know, there's no controls with those guys, and they only need to was it three months? Did the thing say three months, six weeks? That they nine weeks that they had to um, announce themselves into the international draft. 
before they're actually kind of tested for drugs, kind of like on the radar, right. kind of like seeing where they are. So a lot of the times those guys will just do it up until their international signing time. You're talking about performance-enhancing performance drugs. Performance-enhancing drugs. Yeah. And all of a sudden, boom, you see this guy. Wow, the guy's coming on hard. What the hell's going on? Uh-huh. Or what happens to the kid that didn't get signed at age 16, and yep. then now they're 18 years old, and yep. they're throwing 102. Right. Well, what happened? Right. You know, something changed. Yeah. It's not like he just grew up all of a sudden, and maybe, but uh, something else may be in, involved. Yeah, well, that's the thing about the Dominican and, and all these and the international signings, other than like Asia, is there's no high school, there's no college. Like That's, that's where they get their training is from these Buscones, from these academies, um, and what I'm not sure how much education is actually going on. You know, at least in America um, and in Puerto Rico, uh, you know, they're going to college, they're going to high school, they're getting educated. Um, these kids are, getting, you know, are going in 13, sometimes younger than that. And if they don't make it, their family's in for a lot of money mm-hmm. and they have nowhere else to go. Right. So, right. And then when they do sign, their signing bonus gets split up between oh, yeah. all, these, all Absolutely. these people that were involved that had a hand in, in, the, in the whole yeah. process. And the teams will then. Hey, you're 17. Like, you know, we don't have enough money for you. We promised you this money back before, but you know what? Not now. So, you know, the, the teams can renege on how much they are going to offer them right. back when this original agreement is made when they're underage. Yep. It's yep. just shady AF. It is. It is. It's 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 a shame, um, but that's the system that, that we work with. Yeah. So let me go through a little bit of these... Uh, Little, yeah, so read us some scouting reports. Yeah. So Yarlin Susanna is 36 foot 6, 225 pounds. Susanna already has the look of a major league starter. The right-hander's fastball is consistently clocked in at 94 to 97 range. He also throws a slider and runs 84 that runs 84 to 87 miles an hour. It's a power slider and a power changeup with a late sink that sits in the 86 mile per hour range. He also throws a curveball which clocks in at the low 80s. It's kind of weird hearing a slider and then the changeup, and they're about the same velocity. Right. It's kind of like what Felix Hernandez used to do. Right. Just just nasty. Uh, quote, we were in to see him, and he came out throwing smoke and getting after it, said international scouting supervisor Trevor Schumann. We saw him up to 94-96, flashing a very good breaking ball and feel for a changeup with hard sink on the changeup. It was eye-popping. We felt like we had to do something, so we moved on it. We're very happy we got him. And he's literally the 30 Everyone before him is a position player. Okay. He's the first pitcher that's on that. I think it's Baseball America's list uh-huh. of international free agents. All right. So Rossman Verdugo, Rossman Verdugo uh, was the number one overall player for Mexico and the top hitter in the country and one of the best overall bats in the class. At the plate, he shows an advanced approach and feel for the strike zone. He, he's a contact hitter who has developed gap powder. Gap powder. God. Blue and gold. Gap <laughs> powder. Jesus. Uh, uh, gap power. Thank you. On defense, he shows an average arm and an average glove. Very polished bat, Kemp said. Excited to get him and Yendry together in our Dominican Summer League lineup. Would expect him to be hitting in the middle of the order. Uh, and that was it for those. That was it for those guys. Yendry, I didn't get Yendry's little write-up. So the names that uh, the Padres tweeted out were Brian Salazar, a left-handed pitcher from Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, Michael Munoz, third baseman from Venezuela. Oliver Sendeño, sh- shortstop from uh, Venezuela. Juan Murillo a shortstop slash center fielder from Cuba, uh, Estuar Suero, a center fielder from the Dominican Republic, uh, Alain Camus, I'm probably butchering these names, shortstop right. from the Dominican Republic, and Aizon Delgado, a center fielder from Cuba. Love my Venezuelans. <laughs> Love Venezuelans. 
It, make, it makes me think of uh, of young Ivers Solarte. Yes, yes. yes. Um, so Major League Baseball Pipeline, uh, Jim Callis and Sam Dykstra and Jonathan Mayo all did each team's international, kind of in the spirit of the international signing period, did uh, each team's international prospect. Their top pr- international Their prospect. Their top international prospects. For the Padres, it was Uribe Angeles from the Dominican Republic. The Padres weren't allowed to sign players for more than 300000 during the 2018-19 international signing period due to the previous overages where, God, they spent, what, $100 million, $80 million with, with bonuses? Uh-huh. Or with, uh, with penalties? Yet they still bag on Hillis for that amount out of the Dominican Republic. The 19-year-old can certainly hit, and he's shown his se- this season with a 343 average in 87 games in low weight Lake Elsinore and his first full-season debut. He owns a career 320 average over 149 career contests in the minors. And is that ability to make solid, consistent contact that will fuel his push to San Diego? Angeles spread his time around short, third, and second in 2021. He's a little stockier, too. Uh-huh. Like I saw a lot of him this year up in Lake Elsinore. And he's got a good frame, good bat. Like, he, he was dominant. Up there in low A. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he had a great year. It was it was him and Brandon Valenzuela and Robert Hassel the third putting yeah. on the show until all three of them got shipped off to Fort Wayne, which Fort- is good for them. That's where they belong. Absolutely. So before we move on to our next subject, I want to give a shout out to your T-shirt. Yes. You're wearing the Pitching Ninja Roto-Wear shirt, but it isn't just any Pitching Ninja shirt. It's the pink one. Yes. The black with the pink logo. Um, just to support Emily Walden in her fight to breast cancer. Yes. Which she announced, uh, I think it was earlier this month. Yes. Earlier this month, she had, or actually mid-December, I think she announced it right after Christmas. Yeah, so um, I, I believe she said that it is a very uh, treatable form yeah. as far as they know so far. Yeah. Um, and she's going to bring everybody along on her journey, which yeah. she's so good at in general. Absolutely. Um, but it's not just for Emily. It's for breast cancer fighters and survivors everywhere. Yes. Um, they also did the kicks, the, the sh- road aware. What was it? The stadium kicks did the, uh, did the shoes as well. The cleats. Oh, I didn't see that. They did cleats and uh, got something else there. And they, they collected a large sum, large sum of money to donate to um, the American Breast Cancer Association. Very nice. Some of that familiar, but we love Emily. She's been on the podcast several times. She was going to be our Midwest. Our was it now? It's the our high, fire insider. God, she was be our fire insider for the High A Central League until God. It was just she was going to be that until the season went to turd. Well, and she still may be again in the yeah. coming seasons. Yeah, we'll have to talk to her and get her on the podcast. So before we dive into all of the uh, the the coaching staffs. I mean, we could spend yeah. a half an hour talking about Definitely. those guys, but we need to spend some time talking to Carter Lowen. Yeah, we're going to bring him on right now. Carter Lowen was signed as an undrafted free agent in 2020. In 2021, the fiery Canadian was beginning to establish himself with a high A Fort Wayne with 31 strikeouts and 22 and a third innings and seven saves with a 1.39 whip when he went under Tommy John's surgery in July. He's now well on his way back, and he joins us here on Friars on the Farm. Carter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to sit down and chat with you guys. So, of course. You're kind of an island boy. Uh, you, uh, you're from British Columbia, but you went to Hawaii. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't really know how I ended up there, but I'm, I'm really thankful I did because it was an awesome experience. So you're back in Arizona right now rehabbing, uh, but how are things going on back home? We understand there was significant flooding a couple months ago. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of hard to see, like watching it all the way from Arizona. Um, you know, there was a river that flows into BC and that flooded 
and we weren't BC wasn't prepared for that. And so it was on the brink of kind of being really bad. Uh, luckily it kind of settled, settled down a bit and, and the worst happened. Um, it wasn't so bad. So luckily it all kind of got sorted out and, um, it's all good now. I understand something happened with your high school foot, uh, baseball field. Yeah, that was, it was like six feet underwater. It was, oh, uh, it was, it was a little, <laughs> it was a little weird to see. Cause like you could like, I was looking at the field and I was like, holy crap. Like I used to pitch there. Like it's just gone. And I remember somebody posting an Instagram story of they lived on that road on the baseball field and they posted a picture of their backyard. And it's like, you got a lakeside view now. Like it was the most bizarre thing in the world. And uh, there's a steelhead salmon going around the corner to third. You headed home. Yeah, literally. And uh, so luckily, actually, I saw a photo today. They're back in the field and uh, the facility is kind of getting built back up. So that's good to see. That's awesome. Well, through social media, I was following. You kept posting uh, yeah. news stories and GoFundMe and all this stuff, um, you know, as the community was going through all of that, because a lot of people were affected. But it's glad to hear that uh, that the community's bounced back and everything's kind of back to normal. Yeah, I'm happy to see that, too. So you're back in Arizona right now, uh, rehabbing with, with Tommy John surgery. How is that going? Just get a baseline. It's going a lot better than I expected. You know, um, you know, I talked to a lot of guys that had TJ and they kind of told me what it was going to be like, but you never really know what it's going to be like until you go through it for yourself. And uh, there's been hard days and good days, uh, but luckily the good days have out- outnumbered the bad days. So uh, it's going really well overall. Where, where are you at in that right now? Are you in a throwing program or are you uh, still working your way up to that? Uh, I actually just started my throwing program. So I'm, uh, I started at 60 feet, uh, on Monday. So I actually kind of like get the feel for baseball, get a little bit behind it. And, uh, my elbow feels great. Nice. That's, I actually just reached out to Jordan Guerrero. He told me he's a couple weeks away from that, that point. Um, so are there other people down there that you're working out with, uh, are there coaches and stuff? Is there anybody in particular that has been helpful through this process? Uh, I'd say just everybody, everybody at the facility. Um, it's all hands on deck for the guys in the rehab and, if you ever need anything, like they always got your back, uh, whether that's baseball wise or just like off the field. Like I remember on my, it was last week I was 45 feet and I had one day where I was kind of really in my head. And so I sat down with one of the athletic trainers and I just kind of talked my way through it. And he kind of reassured me like, it's normal. Like this is what happens and you're going to get through it. Like you'll be okay. So that was, it was really good. Yeah. I think Chris Paddock talked about how, you know, the physical rehabbing was, you know, was in itself a a process, but the emotional and mental and just trying to stay positive and like, you don't know if your career is going to resume. You don't know how it's, you know, you just don't know. And that strain on your emotions uh, can get pretty hairy. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying not to have too high of highs and too low of lows. That's kind of my thing. Um, But one of the guys told me, uh, you know, I did all I can do. Like once I got to my throne program, I did all the rehab, all the stuff, right. Um, You know, now it's just go out and throw and, you got to trust that you did everything right. So that's kind of what I have to keep telling myself. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell on myself. So not this last weekend, but the weekend before when you just got into AZ, I was supposed to be spending last week in Padres fantasy camp. So we had the hotel all set up. They canceled it because of COVID, but me and my wife went out there anyway. And uh, we ended up going out there on Monday morning, finally Monday morning. We went out there at 10 o'clock, went, you know, drove by the fields a lot. The backfields are locked up. Went up to the front, you know, walked in the door. I've been, we've been credentialed before to go in there. So I know the, the lady was there and it was like the second day of the international signing period. I'm like, so like there's, there's no workouts going on. And a coach was in a room right next to her and uh, he kind of popped his head out thinking it was probably someone else, but not me. Uh, I was like, yeah, no workouts. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so you, didn't, you didn't try to climb a fence. Or I didn't climb a fence, but I was like, I, I was this close to going like, yeah, hey, 
is Carter there? <laughs> no, yeah. he's not here. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> I didn't want. Yeah, I didn't want to be a weirdo. Okay, so I have a weird. Okay, so you live in BC, but now you're rehabbing in 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 Peoria. Does the team like set you up in an apartment there? Or how does how does that work? Where are you staying? Shoot. So the uh, does the team put you up in an apartment or something, or how does that work? Oh shoot, my Wi-Fi cut out. Can you uh, repeat? <laughs> yeah, so you're rehabbing in Arizona. You live in BC. Does the team like put you up in an apartment there across the street, or, or are you on your own to kind of figure uh, housing out, or, or how does that work? Uh, the Padres uh, set up the housing for me, which is it's a real big burden off my back. So they kind of they got my back in that sense. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the setup. It's it's really nice. I like it. I love it down here. Are you on your own, or do you have a roommate? I got a roommate. Yeah. Did, did you? Would you mind telling us who you're rooming with, or is that a secret? Uh, I think it's a secret. I'll kind of. I'll, okay. I'll let people they want. That's okay. fair. That's fair. Right. You know, the Major League Baseball, they just negotiated today. So there's going to be into that lockout. You know, you're not really telling it. No, I'm kidding. Um, let's move on. So you're from British Columbia, dude. How did you get into baseball? Uh, it was kind of the one thing I was good at when I was little. I tried like skateboarding, basketball, like pretty much every sport under the sun. I kind of like, I figured out I was good at baseball. I was like, might as well stick with it. And uh, I remember me and my dad used to play catch outside in the front yard and I would dig such a big divot in the front yard that my parents would get pissed all the time. Like you shouldn't be making divots in the grass, but like my dad was like, well, he likes doing it. So he's going to keep making divots. Were, so, so were you, were you making divots like with your foot trying to dig in or where were the divots from? Yeah. So we had a, we had a bush set up that my dad would catch uh, right in front of. And so if I overthrew it, it would just go into the bush and then I would be on the grass and I'd be pitching to him. And uh, that was kind of when he could catch me. And then I started throwing a little harder in high school and he we took that. We, we stopped doing that. So do you still have that habit when you're on the mound? Are you that guy that digs a big old pit right in front of the, of the rubber? No, I hate that. And that's the thing about coming in as a closer. Cause you get through all the game and the mountains all dug up. So uh, I pitch from the, the first base side because just the way my arm action works and where I'm comfortable with, but I like it to be perfect. And you'll notice every time I, uh, before I throw a pitch, I wipe the rubber. It's cause my thing, like I have to have the rubber perfectly clean. Uh-huh. It's just the way that I do it. That's interesting. I didn't even put any superstitions. Do you have any superstitions? Uh, I mean, there's the usual ones, like don't put your hand in other guys' gloves, don't step in the line. Um, but the, I'd say the main thing is, like, I need the rubber to be clean. Like, that's my reset. Like, that's my kind of thing. That's cool. That's cool. So my wife and I sit right by the bullpen at Petco Park and Doug Bockler, the pitching, the bullpen coach until last year, he was always the the rubber had to be immaculate he would always just wipe his foot back and forth across it was like a it was like his nervous tick about right. it he was just clean the rubber all the time it had to be spotless yeah so did you so you your school didn't have any sports like high school no we didn't have any like high school sports you would say uh, what kind of, hey what kind of school was that and, and then how did you you know how did that work well like in canada you don't have like uh high school sponsored baseball and so you have to play club baseball and, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard of like the Langley blaze, like Abster Cardinals, like blaze come down to Arizona. They actually play at the Peoria sports complex. They play a tournament down here. Um, and so like, those are the teams that we played and, like Tyler O'Neill played for them. Um, like a bunch of uh, big names, but came through there. Um, but yeah, baseball, like it was weird. Cause people would ask me like, Oh, where'd you play high school baseball? And it's like, no one really knows. Like I didn't play baseball in high school. You know, that reminds, so Owen Casey, he's, I think he's from the Toronto area. Yeah. Um, but he kind of made a name for himself when they came down and played in Arizona and played that 
round robin tournament. And that's when he kind of popped on the scene. So that never occurred to me that there isn't the organized high school baseball in the same sense. So when you're playing in your club games, are there a lot of scouts around or is that really not a thing in Canada? Not really. So like the, the way that baseball players in Canada get noticed is coming down to the U S pretty much like the tournaments in Florida, Arizona, Las Vegas, California, like those are all the places that we get seen. And luckily I was enough, I was fortunate enough to play at the Rogers center in a tournament called T 12. I played there for two years and the Hawaii coach just happened to be there uh, my junior year. And we talked after the game. He's like, I'll shoot you an email and kind of followed me. And I, that's how I ended up in Hawaii. Well, but before that you actually got selected by Toronto and you didn't sign with them. Yeah. So I, I had a, a shoulder injury actually in high school where I couldn't, I couldn't raise my arm essentially. And so I got to college and uh, I got MRIs done all before I got to college and everyone said it's fine, but I couldn't raise my arm. So I told them like, something's obviously wrong and got to college, did an MRI finally, and they found labrum problems, rotator cuff problems, everything, the whole, everything. And so I had shoulder surgery in 17 and it took me about two and a half years to come back from that. Wow. Now, now, now let's not skip the part that you raked. Oh, you absolutely. You're fine. And, and we are recording. <laughs> we can hear you. Um, but you raked. Ah, you know what? So, oh, yeah, we got you back. We got so, you back. Okay. okay. Sorry. So the Wi-Fi is not great here. When you were playing uh, travel ball, did you play other positions? Did you battle? Because you hit really well. Yeah, I was a first baseman in high school, and I came into college as a first baseman. And, uh, I, I mean, close the yearbook, but I won offensive player of the year, my senior year of high school, like best in the league. Like I was, I was a pretty darn good hitter if I say so myself, but after, nice. my, after my shoulder surgery, I kind of hung it up and focused on pitching. Okay. Oh, interesting. So you were just telling us that you had labor issues, you had shoulder surgery um, and coming into the draft, it was pretty well known that, that you would had all this you went through rehab and you finally came yeah. back. Um, can you talk us through some of that process and what your experience was being at Hawaii? Uh, yeah. So I knew like, I knew I had shoulder problems. I knew there was talks of me getting taken in the draft. Um, but I knew like I wasn't mentally and physically ready to, to compete with professional baseball players that are grown men. Right. And so I kind of, before everything happened, I made my decision to go into Hawaii. Um, thankfully, like Toronto was gracious enough to draft me as uh, kind of a courtesy pick, which is really cool to see my name called, but, went to Hawaii, got shoulder problems figured out. And uh, yeah, my senior year, everything just kind of clicked for me. Well, let's go back to your, uh, your Canadian junior team where you went to Florida and you guys played against major leaguers. Yeah. Or at least yeah. minor. Who'd you yeah. face? Uh, I pitched against the Braves. Uh, we played the Toronto Blue Jays in Dunedin, actually. And that game was uh, broadcasted on Sportsnet. So that was pretty cool. Dude. Wow. Uh, so your family back home could watch you. Yeah, I actually got in that bat that game, and I struck out on three pitches against. Uh, oh shoot, what was his name? Scott Diamond, I think. Okay. Scott, it, was, it was it was some lefty that threw me like two nasty changeups, and I struck out. <laughs> that's your, <laughs> your fifteen seconds of fame. Well, I hope you. Yeah, hope Dude, that's, that's not where it ends. <laughs> right. Yeah, literally. All right, so 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 you got noticed by Hawaii. Uh, you were uh, redshirt redshirt junior, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was because of the injury, right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. So, how many years did you did you lost two full years uh, because of injury rehab, right? I lost my freshman year, and then my next year, I only threw. I didn't technically record an inning because I didn't record it out. So, my first outing was the worst outing of my life. Like, I think I hit two guys, walked three, gave uh, like, three pass balls, just everything that went wrong. <laughs> um, I remember sitting in my locker room, and my teammate puts his hand on me, and I was like, 
just head in my hands. And my teammate puts his hand on me and goes, it can only go up from here. <laughs> those are words I will never forget for the rest of my life. Dude, that's the great thing about teammates. Like, you know, I play rec ball and like guys have bad games or they make a mistake. And, you know, the teams that I play for are like, dude, look, like you got to work tomorrow. Like, don't be down on yourself. Like it's, it can only get better, you know? And that's. Nah. Okay. So what'd you study while you're in Hawaii? I studied, I got a degree in communication. So it took me about two years to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I bounced back and forth uh, between like, I wanted to do computer sciences for a while. Wanted to be business major. I don't know, everything. Then I decided on communications. Okay. Well, congratulations for completing your major. There are a lot of guys that go off to college, play <laughs> ball and never wind up getting that degree. So that's that kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of it. So were you at the campus on Oahu? Yeah. I was, I lived, uh, my freshman year, I lived, you have to live on campus. Um, and my sophomore on, I lived off campus and I loved where I lived. Do you have any, uh, any crazy stories, any fun times, stuff you did while you were there? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of hiking and surfing on all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, just going around the Island, like I, Saturdays were the best. You'd have like nine or 10 o'clock practice. And then you'd figure out like, Hey, let's go to the beach after. And then let's go get dinner. Like it was just like the best time ever. Nice. Do you nice. learn to surf? Do you body surf? Do you get in the water? I, I surfed once. Uh, it was a lot harder than I thought. <laughs> well, for a guy rehabbing a shoulder, you probably had to take some time before you could even get confident enough to get in well, the water like that. Right. I'm, a big, I'm a big guy, so my balance is, you know, so-so. You need a very large board. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, yeah, and that's kind of the bummer. It's like, so then, you know, you, you weren't ready to get drafted by um, by Toronto, and then you do really well in, in Hawaii, and then – COVID hits. And then you're like, you're, how did you get scouted by the Padres? And with COVID, how did that relationship begin? Why did you choose the Padres? Well, uh, our trainer at Hawaii, actually, when I first got there, that was his first year and he worked for the Padres. And so, you know, I had some previous knowledge of the Padres and what it was like. And uh, I can't remember the exact process in, in 2020, but I think I got saw by the Padres cross checker in, in Tennessee. And uh, I had a zoom meeting with some, with a lot of the staff. And I just like, you know that when your gut tells you like something's right, and that was kind of my gut feeling, and that's why I went with the Padres. Good, nice. Good. Justin uh, Bachman was your was your scout, yeah, 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 Justin, yeah. Uh, Josh Emmerich, the West Coast uh, supervisor for scouting, is uh, his his stepfather uh, was a good friend of mine, and uh, we've actually had Josh on the podcast. Uh, I asked him about you, and the first thing he said, he's a mental guy, like. <laughs> that's what i talked when, when we talked before we talked about rock and roll like you like metal you like, yeah i grew up on the 80s like he didn't say yeah you know right-handed pitches those this whatever he's like metal guy like, uh, I, guess, made- I guess that's what sticks out to people i don't know <laughs> nice i love it so it must have been weird with so that year the draft was only five rounds and yeah. then they kind of opened things up a little bit for the undrafted free agents. So I, I think, I guess that kind of gave the Padres some opportunities to see some guys they might not have seen otherwise. Um, Cause in a normal draft, I'm, I'm, you would have been taken at some point, but there's so many guys that were in your boat that, okay, five rounds and that's it. And now right. you, you got to pick your destiny. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that was kind of a good thing because I, I realized I wasn't the only one in that situation. Like there's a lot of guys, like I know Mike Green was in the exact same situation. Like he's a UDFA, uh, same situation. And that kind of helped me be at peace with, you know, my situation and my, I wasn't upset, but it was, I wasn't going to get taken in the five rounds. So that kind of helped. Okay. So what was your process between getting signed 
um, and then making your way to Peoria and starting workouts and, and going out to the games and all that. Uh, like during COVID, during quarantine? Well, yeah. Yeah, because they, they sign you and then typically you have so much time to report to camp and then it's workouts and all this stuff. But COVID, yeah. it must have been a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, so I signed in June and I got told that there would might be a uh, camp in September. Uh, I didn't get called down for that. And then I started working for my dad uh, at a metal at our steel shop and worked all through the winter. And then I quit working in January and uh, to focus more on baseball. And then I got called down in March. So, and, but every day it was COVID, right? And so BC is very strict right. with COVID rules. And so gyms, we had to wear masks. It was hard to go out for dinner, like all this stuff. And so I was just throwing alone every day. And it taught me a lot about myself. So you say throwing alone, did you have somebody, somebody that could catch you or were you just throwing at a target? I was just throwing at a net every day. Right, man. <laughs> so not not a lot was, of Canadians want to play backstop to a guy throwing mid nineties. You know, that's not a thing there. Well, and the, and the funny thing is at the, at the facility I was at, it, we use reuse old baseballs. And so some of them were waterlogged. So I made the joke that I was intentionally like throwing weighted balls because some of them were lighter. Some of them were heavier, you know, it's the way it worked out. <laughs> You're so driveline by just by, by proxy. Nice. Yeah. Maybe that helped. I don't know. Right. So when you were working at the steel shop, uh, were you like running a mill? Were you driving a forklift? Were you uh, I was in, all the parts? I was working uh, in the back of some machine room. And I was doing like lathe work, uh, deburring, um, drill press, like anything. I was doing busy work pretty much. Okay. Uh, right. But it was it was a it was a physical job, and that's kind of what I enjoyed in it. You know, I got up at five thirty, went to work, and then went and did baseball. It taught me discipline, and that's something that kind of sticks with me now. Very nice, very nice. Well, and and through all this, you know, through the through the injuries in you know early your early career, going through this COVID, you know, it has to, it teaches you resilience, right? Like like it's not you know your journey is to get to the major leagues, but like in between there, there's a whole road you have to travel. And yeah. with that, you know, not only are you developing as a, as a player, but you develop as a, as a man and as a person, just like you got kind of got to go with it. Honestly, I think COVID might've been the best thing that happened to me because, because of that, because I grew so much and I learned so much about myself in that period of time, you know? Absolutely. And I watched a lot of your games and, and only like, there was like maybe Maybe one game that you gave up a bunch of runs and it was like, fuck, those did it. That's it. Just throw that one away. And you had a stellar, stellar season. Yeah, I, I think I remember that game. Oh, I, it might have been the South Bend game, which that was a tough game. Well, so, so I got real quick. So a guy named Tyler Derna, were you at the fight? Uh, no, I wasn't. I was supposed to. I was going in for the uh, I think it was the eight or ninth inning and I was warming up and I'm facing the field and I'm watching everything go down and. I like, I didn't want to be involved because I had to go out and pitch the next inning. So I was right, like, I'm not, right. I'm not going near this. We talked to Chandler Siegel. He was the second guy. He was the second guy in that pile. Wait, wait, you're, you're talking about fall league. This yeah, that was fall oh, league. yeah. Oh shoot. Fall yeah. league. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about wait. that one. No, but you, you, so you were there at a brawl, um, with the Fort, South Bend Cubs with the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't involved, but I was, I was present on the field during that. Yeah, so that's the thing about the bullpen guys. They're like, even if you are pitching next, like it's already over, and you guys are jogging after, you know. Yeah. Just, it's kind of eyewashed a little bit, I think. So, it's, it's just a show fake, you know. It's yeah. like support your team, get out there, and. You know, so did you like, do that? Did you did you at least jog out onto the field a little bit, like act? I, like I gave a little courtesy jog, but right, I, I had no intentions of being involved. Dude, that was I watched that game live, and it was it was gnarly. Um, I work for I work for UCSD here. And uh, Tyler Derna is a guy who plays for the who was after with the with the Cubs, and he's a great kid. 
Um, I, I fed him his first two years of, of, of school, um, but I, he was at that game. I'm pretty sure he was at that game against you guys in, in the in the fight. And yeah, dude, it's I, gnarly. It's gnarly. I get to the mound uh, after the everything happened in the mound. The, the mound's a slop fest. Like I can't even place my foot. The umpire comes up to me and he goes, "Hey, just so you know, warnings have been issued." And I'm like, "So if I hit a guy because I slipped, then I'm getting ejected." And he goes, "We'll make that decision at our discretion." Sure enough, I end up hitting a guy on a cutter. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get thrown out of this game because I just hit this guy unintentionally with a cutter. Luckily, I didn't get thrown out. I just kind of crapped the bed. But, yeah, that was funny. So what was it like finally getting to get on a professional mound after all that time? Oh, my goodness. Like, well, it was it was I kind of got eased into it because there's no fans in Fort Wayne first first part of the year. And so it was, right. it was like pitching at inner squads back at school. So that was a little better. Um but it was so much fun. Like I, that's just the one thing I remember. It was so much fun going out there and pitching and, and having competition. Well, and the fans out there in Fort Wayne and, and the, the staff, everybody yeah. there at that ballpark does such oh, a fantastic job. That place is a absolute diamond. Yeah. You know? and Mike Nutter and Swirly. Uh, oh, how, how was Swirly? Does, does he do all the cooking still? Uh, no, because of COVID, it was kind of a, it was a challenge. Oh, that's right. That's but right. He got, got it done. So yeah, he's a great guy. I love Swirls. Nice. So what were you working on as the season was going by? Did you have like, were you working on certain goals? Were you working on certain pitches like location? Um, or were you just going out there trying to execute? Uh, so there was, at, at the beginning of the year, I started, I would mix in my fastball cutter a lot. Uh, had some success with that. And then I, one outing against Dayton, I completely, I threw 14 fastballs in a row. Just didn't throw a cutter. And I ended up giving up the lead and we lost the game. So after that, uh, I told both of our catchers, I want to throw one fastball for every three cutters. And I did that my next outing and I struck out the side. And so that was the plan I went with pretty much every outing. Then it was like, I need to throw my cutter. So that was something that I was working on. Now, so, do, you, do you work with Jimmy Jones on that? Or do you talk to back then it was AC or do you yeah, just like you have your own plan? I mean, we, we converse after every one of our outings with, with all the staff, like what we could do, what they saw, you know, they're, they're an extra set of eyes, right? right. Uh, they see things that we don't, or we can't. So having them, like watch the game and watch us is, is really helpful. And then the catchers you were working with were primarily uh, Juan Fernandez and Chandler Siegel, right? Uh, no, it was Kerner and uh, Hamza. Oh, Hamza. Oh, right. Johnny Hamza. Yeah. 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 Johnny Hamza. So you yeah. weren't the, uh, the furthest North on the, on the squad. Somebody else. <laughs> no, was I wasn't much farther. North. <laughs> Funny story. Johnny was actually committed to Hawaii. No kidding. Yeah. Johnny was committed to Hawaii and he played for Langley in a tournament in Arizona. So he played for the my like rival high school club team really? in Arizona. So that's how we knew each other. And then he got taken by the Padres, and we kind of now we played on the same team. Huh, go figure. Yeah. Of course, he's from he's from he's from Alaska. Yeah. Hell yeah, I'll take Hawaii. I don't care. I'll be a backup guy. Just give me the hell out of yeah, our country. Yeah. So you snowboard, yeah? I did. I gave that up because I don't want to hurt myself. Uh, that's a wise choice. That's a wise uh, career decision right, right there. Yeah. You, you can get back on the board after you retire, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't risk tearing my, my knee open or whatever. Yeah. Interesting. So have you picked up any other, like, do you, do you play Kanaska? Do you play like Uno? Did you pick up any other hobby or anything to kind of fill up the timer? Uh, during rehab, uh, I started, it sounds nerdy, but I started doing like stock market stuff. Oh, so we got we got a we got a bunch of guys together in a group that we kind of sit down and we talk and I've actually learned a lot in the past eight months. So you're talking players, coaches, like who who's in this group that you? No. you uh, my, super, about- 
my stepbrother and a bunch of his buddies um, that, that we all we're all pretty close and you know we'll sit in in the chat for hours and kind of just talk so it's it's a lot of fun actually okay. how's your portfolio doing yeah well it's getting beaten <laughs> let's not talk about that right now <laughs> um that's interesting because i you know i um i um a i have a stock portfolio um and i always have my four three b for work but um I, i've been in investing you know, about about the past 10 years and uh, with mixed success and uh, it's 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 amazing uh who who are some of your top picks uh i'm mainly in etfs right now i'm okay. in canadian yes because it's easier for canadian to buy canadian stocks right uh, so that's like my safe picks um i'm just trying to set myself up for the future pretty much i want to yeah. like be financially stable, especially right now, because we're not making a whole bunch of money. So um, that's kind of my goal with that. Well, that's, and it's so huge with, uh, you, you know, I, I'm a manager where I work and some of my staff, they have, they have no idea what they had no idea. And um, it's amazing how many people I found out at, you know, in their deep twenties into their thirties, you know, don't even know that they have a 401k with work. Don't even know that they can put a portion of their money away. And when they do, they don't know what to do with it. Um, to, for you learning that at such a young age uh, is, is a huge, huge goal, regardless of what happens with, with, with sports. Um, having that knowledge um, is, is huge. Um, yeah. I had my, my best pick was I had Tesla at, I bought Tesla at 33. Yeah. My, my, my stepbrother bought Tesla uh, way back when I think during COVID and he just opened up his portfolio and he's like, Oh, I doubled my money right on. All right, so, bastard. It's, it's just $20, $20 you found on the side of the road. Right. Yeah, I had somebody telling me like seven or eight years ago about Bitcoin. Yeah. And it didn't make any sense to yep. me at all. And I stayed away from it. And looking back, you know, if I would have put, I don't know, a hundred bucks down, right. I'd be doing I would have been doing so much better. That's what that's what everyone everyone thinks. So it's always hindsight, you know? Right. For sure. For sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> Everything's hindsight right now with my portfolio. It's just, oh my God, it's a bloodbath. But that's fine. That that's part of the market. That's that's what's going on right now with COVID and just the instability of of where we at right now. So as long as you don't sell, we're not going to lose, you know, time, and, time in the market beats timing the market. That's yeah. Kind of oh, yeah. You learn something there. I do that. There you go. <laughs> all my, all my, uh, all my 401k and my pension is in uh, index funds. So it's just, I'm like, let it ride. Yeah. Index right. funds is the way to go. Yep. That's exactly my, my thoughts. Okay. All right. You're ready to fire to pretty, launch into our quick fire closing well, round here. Well, pretty close. So you're, so um, first before we go to the quick fire round, um, I know it's early in your rehab. Will you be ready for, uh, for the season to start? Where are you going to be with rehab? Once, uh, once spring training starts, are you going to be waiting a little bit longer? What's your timetable? Uh, it's kind of up in the air because I'm a little bit older. So it takes a little bit longer for guy, for an older guy. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I can't. I can't really give an answer on that. It's kind of play okay. by ear. I'm just kind of going day by day, pretty much. One day at a time, baby. Right. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So I got some quick fire. We're not really quick fire questions. Just some trivia stuff. Some uh, some quick fire questions. Uh, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> this Baywatch actress was the first child born in Canada on the hundredth celebration of Canada Day. She was born July first, nineteen sixty-seven, in Ladysmith, British Columbia. At 408, who was then named Canada's Sentinel Baby? Centennial. Centennial Baby. God, me and my English. I've Can never watched that? I've never watched Baywatch. I have I have no idea. When you think of Baywatch, what do you see on the screen? The girl running on the beach, right? Yeah. You, yeah. And that woman is Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson. She dated Tommy Lee. Right. That's right. 
That's who. That's, I, that's the connection you gotta. That's, right. that's how I know. <laughs> okay, so British Columbia is home to the world's biggest piece of sports equipment. What is it? Oh, biggest piece of sports equipment. How do I not know this? Um, it was, I'm going to guess hockey stick. Yeah, it's hockey that's stick. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> always, always the safest guess, hockey stick. Right. Did you play hockey growing up at all? No, but I, I can skate. So if anyone's concerned about that, I can skate. I wasn't worried about I that. Wasn't concerned. <laughs> I wasn't mean, some, some, some people say, oh, yeah, you didn't play hockey. Can you skate? It's like, well, yeah, I can. Don't worry. Like we're born with skates on the world's largest hockey stick and puck. There it is. Yeah. At the, it's, you know, it looks like it's in front of a shopping mall or something somewhere. Right. Okay. As a pitcher shift or no shift. Um, shoot. That's a good question. I'd say no shift. Nice. Now, okay. So in single a, I'm trying to remember what the rules tweaks were, but you had some limitations on being able to throw to bases or something along those lines, right? What was the rule tweak that they were messing with? It was the pickoff. See, for the first half of the season, you had to step off to pick off. And we actually picked off a lot of people, a lot more people than I thought we were going to with that rule. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it was surprising. So people were just running running wild because they thought that they'd be able to go first move or something? Or I, I got no idea, but like all of our moves just got better. And then when they changed it, when it went back to normal, it was like, hey, this is weird now. Like we can actually pick off. Okay. So I don't know what it was. Interesting. What was your first concert? Motley Crue. Nice. Oh, okay. So Motley Crue, they just got back together, right? Yeah. And before COVID, they planned this tour. It was going to be Motley Crue and Poison. Def Leppard. Def Leppard. Def Leppard, yeah. yeah. And they were all going to come play Petco Park here. My wife and I had tickets. And then COVID happened. And then they kept postponing it and postponing it and postponing it. And I think it's still hypothetically going to happen someday. Yeah. But I don't know. I hear Tommy Lee's like on his last <laughs> well, Nikki Six has been sober for just over 21 years. So, yeah. Yeah. I got an actually really cool story about that. So, I went with my cousin Andy, and we're sitting kind of middle of the middle of the stadium. And about three quarters of the way through the concert, they clear out the row behind us. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, I don't know what happened. And at the end of the concert, they walked off. And then all of a sudden, people started cheering behind it or like next to us. And we see them walking behind us to the middle of the stage where they did their final like little uh, song. So I got to high five Tommy Lee, McMars, Vince Neil. Like I high five the whole band. It was wicked. I was fifty. Dude, I I saw Motley Crue on the Shadow of the Devil tour, 1986, 1987. Oh, the prime, dude, back in the day. And uh, you know, I like they were my team. They were my band in high school. Them, Judas Priest. I was a metalhead in high school. That's why on Twitter I said you gotta you gotta follow my guy Joe Daly. but I, that was the last time I've seen him. I haven't seen him since. And uh, you know, I've read uh, the uh, the diaries, the heroin diaries from Nikki Six. I'm mm-hmm. sober 20 years myself, so being in recovery, uh, just knowing those guys. I mean, all three, all four of those guys surviving is, is amazing. How you know none of those guys are dead. Yeah. Well, first, congratulations on your sobriety. First of all, um, but yeah, reading the heroin diaries, reading what Nikki Six went through, that is unbelievable. <laughs> I love that book. <laughs> so Absolutely. have you have you do you know mason fioli have you gotten to hang out with him at all because yeah he was, my, like... he was my roommate in fort wayne oh okay so were you guys comparing notes on music and stuff yeah so he brought his guitar out to fort wayne and it was funny because he lived in the in the closet because that was the way it <laughs> and i lived outside of his closet and uh <laughs> so like at night he would like sit down in his bed or whatever and play guitar yeah it was just great memories and we talk about music and stuff he's a big uh 
Oh shit, I can't remember who he's a huge fan of one band. Um, he's a deadhead, he's a big tool guy. He's like he loves yeah, he, he loves he, yeah, I know Pearl Jam. He was all about Pearl yeah, Jam. Thinking right. about Pearl Jam. Yeah, we had a whole episode. We first we had him on, and you know we talked baseball, and then we, we started kind of talking movies. Then we had him come on later, and we did a whole thing about just music and movies and very oh. little baseball. There was nothing but just rock and roll, man. It was epic. I think that music was and movies. Movie. Yeah, music I think and movies. Was COVID was going on, so we were looking for uh, <laughs> we're looking desperate for stuff to talk about. All right, ACDC or, or Kiss. ACDC, not a fan of Kiss. Nice. Okay, that's fair. Uh, what's your walk-up song? Uh, it's by Faith. Uh, it's what was it? Shoot, I can't remember. What was it? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Uh, I can. What find was it. the it band? Was by Faith No More. Falling to Pieces. That's what it was. Oh. It's, uh, falling to pieces. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised you know that. I first heard Dude. it in the movie. I first heard it in the movie Black Hawk Down, and I fell in love with the baseline of that song. Yeah. Nice. Okay, Metallica's Black Album or ACDC's Back in Black. Metallica's Black Album. Ooh, all right. Ooh, all oh, right. What's, do you have a favorite Metallica album? Uh, no. I, I'm i not a huge fan of Metallica. Like, I'll listen to them here and there. I went through like, a phase in high school. It was like months just straight Metallica, but kind of tapered off a little bit. Yeah, Metallica <laughs> is kind of the gateway drug into metal. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if there was a movie of your life, who would portray you? Uh, uh, who's the guy that plays Thor? What's his name? Uh, oh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, I honestly I'd say that. I don't know who else. I thought it was Noah Syndergaard. He's pretty tall. I don't know if he's six foot six, but he's pretty tall. Uh do you have a celebrity crush? Uh no, but uh I recently watched Goodwill Hunting and Minnie Driver in that movie. She's a very good looking woman in that movie. Oh. Damn, loves him older. All right. That's epic. That is so epic. Okay, favorite non-baseball athlete. Uh shoot. I don't really I don't know. I don't really have, I don't really watch any other, anything else. You know, I don't, I don't watch football. I don't watch hockey. Like, I don't know, just baseball. All right. Did you watch a lot of baseball growing up? Were you a fan of a particular team? Yeah. I grew up a Red Sox fan and my dad bought the 2007 world series DVD set and I would fall asleep with the DVD set on my chest watching uh, game one. Of the wow, world so today must be kind of a special yeah. day with David Ortiz being David Ortiz. in the hall of fame. Yeah. He was, I lo- he was one of my idols. I had a big fat head poster of him on my wall growing up. It was, it's pretty cool to see that. Nice. It's too bad you don't still have that fat head. Then maybe one day you could have him sign it. That'd be yeah. awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Major League or Bull Durham? Uh, I like Bull Durham. But bo- both are absolutely incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe right now at this phase of your career, you could probably relate to what's going on right. in Bull Durham a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. Have you ever tried to hit the mascot? Uh, no, I wouldn't do that to Johnny. No, Johnny's, Johnny's a good guy. <laughs> and they're going to have, and they're having. Uh, tryouts for the new Johnny Appleseed uh, coming up. Yeah, I was just telling Angela yeah. that she should go try out to be Johnny, but she just had knee. That's my wife. She just had yeah. knee surgery, so she can't uh, do yeah. all the all the stuff. You got to be pretty acrobatic to do that. Yeah, yeah. All right, dude. Hey, man, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, this was a blast. We have to have you come on in, after the next season, after you're starting to throw some innings and get some time underneath your belt. Well, I'm coming yeah. out to spring training one way or the other, whether it's big league stuff going on or not. Right. Hopefully the back lots are open. Yeah. Um, I want to give come give you a shout out if I get a chance. Yeah, for sure. I this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, we spend like whenever we go out to spring training, it's it's like okay, we have the game at the afternoon or in the evening. We spend all day in the backfields, just going from yeah. one one field to another field to another field. 
Yeah. Looking well, this, this is like my first normal spring training. So I'm excited to see what it's like too. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope that it's open and you get to actually yeah. have, you know, the normal experience of fans, you know, right. Cause it's not busy back there, but you know, there's people, people hanging out and all that. It's, it's just a neat, it's a whole vibe yeah. back there. I, I love it. Yeah. I hope it's like that. Sign your autographs. You can sign your autographs. No, it's in the guard. <laughs> yeah. They wouldn't be able to tell the difference. <laughs> Well, dude, we'll get. Uh, we'll let you go. Um, good luck we have, and we'll keep. Uh, we'll we'll keep in touch with you through the season. And uh, dude, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. We'll see you soon. Dude, that was fun. Yeah, Carter's a great guy. <laughs> that is. That was wild. Yeah. Um, talking about Mesa Fioli, he's in the closet because that's where he lives. Not, you know, not that closet, but, you know, he lives in a closet because they're all roommates. I know. That's wild. Oh, that's crazy. Well, so we we appreciate him taking the time. We yeah. are going to go over the um, the new coaching staff uh, with all the different uh, Padres affiliates. But we're going to go ahead and save that for next time. We'll save that for next we time. we wound up running a little bit long, which is always, that's always a blessing. Yeah, absolutely. And we love you guys. Uh Keep listening to us. We'll be up next week. I'll uh, have another guest. Uh, I'll, I'll search around, see if I can't find someone to come on the podcast. Yeah, we and, got uh, a couple ideas. We've got, co- got a couple irons in the fire. we got a couple irons in the fire. Yeah. We're iron boys. Uh-oh, jeez. Oh, I don't know why I get stuck on that thing. <laughs> why And why is it a real way off balance? And why do I, every time I see a clip of those video, a video of those guys, they're always leaving something and they're in fights with people. Do like, they just want to, do people just want to fight those guys? I, I, for some reason, they've stayed out of my social media, so I haven't seen them, and yeah. I'm happy to keep it that way. You know, I, I every, I guess because I'm on, I like, I see them on Facebook, the little like story things, and they're always like walking out of something, lifting up their hands like that or something like that, and everyone's filming it, and like, <laughs> dude, just let the guys be island boys, I guess. I don't know, not my thing, but like, goddamn. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's good back to be, it's good to be podcasting again. God, we, um. Glad you're safe. Glad you're back. Glad you're um, back to normal. Oh yeah, you know health health issues and whatever it it comes and goes. You got the sweet Padres blue and gold. No brown and gold. Brown and gold. Yeah, I I, I don't know why I felt this is the first time I've worn a Padres logo. I think since the lockout. Dude, that's pretty sweet. Did you have a Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Nice. I think my in laws got it for me. Nice. Uh, I got actually got Lily the the um, the breast cancer. Pitching ninja. I always wanted to get a pitching ninja shirt. I just haven't been able to pull the trigger. So when when they uh, they said Emily was gonna be you know they're gonna do the pink one for Emily and, and breast cancer, I'm like I'm on it. That's fantastic. I bought one to Liddy for her birthday and I bought one for myself. <laughs> Happy birthday to you too, I guess, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, it has to be about me sometimes too. Hey, uh, anyways, you can meet me. Uh, meet me. You can you can reach me on Twitter at sd donovan and I'm at zippy underscore tms. Go. Are we allowed to say go Padres? Hey, go. Are they locked out? Go lock. Don't go anti-lockdown. Go MLBPA. Go negotiate. Yes. There it is. 